good morning, everybody. I'm Jonathan Argue. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to welcome you. So glad to see all of you. And I wanted to just have everybody, if you could hold up your hands like this for a second. This is a post-July 4th check. Everybody's got their digits. Nobody lost anything. I guess that's more of uh, up in Seattle where they sell real, oh, you can put them down now. Thank you. In Seattle where they sell real fireworks, you actually can blow off a couple of fingers. That would be fun, wouldn't it, Zach? That would be a fun time. And I brought today, just because, you know, it can be a little hot in here, my sweat rag. <laughs> so just in case I need that. But I want to, we're continuing on this morning with our, well, you just saw it, the Name Dropper series. Last week, Pastor Darren brought a fantastic message about Gideon. And what I'd like, if you would, you should go back, if you didn't hear it, and listen to it. It's a phenomenal message. And I believe that it affects and can have a real change in your life. I recommend you go listen to it. You can go on to uh, the, our church website to see it and also YouTube. Just look up focus314.com and all the sermons now are being projected. Well, to this morning, we're going to continue in the Name Dropper series. And this morning, we're going to name drop Jesus. I know, real original. But let me just tell you, what I want to go after is not only what Jesus, we can touch about many different things, but we're going to talk about a certain area. Before I go into that, I want to talk to you, uh, tell you a story that I had, a story that is seared into my mind. And it was back when I lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Anybody know where that is in the Midwest? All right, it's a place where when you have fall, you actually have fall, you know what I mean? The trees turn color, it gets crisp and cold. And it was at that time, I, uh, I had a very serious relationship. And she and I decided to go do the couple kind of thing. Has any, perhaps anybody's done this, where you go to apple orchards. And you, you go and you pick apples. You eat apples. You drink apples. And you got to be careful. That can be a bad order that you'll pay for it later. But we had had a great day. Just gone down from Minneapolis to Red Wing, Minnesota. That's where they make Red Wing shoes. No kidding. And we were coming on the way back. And I thought, as a couple... Let's, we have this time, let's pray together. So I said, hey, let's pray. So I said, I'll start, and I began praying, praying over our lives, praying over God's will, all the things that you would think you would pray as a couple. And then I handed the baton of prayer to her. And instead of hearing her then pick up the baton and start praying too, huh, all I heard was silence. The person who I thought I knew I didn't know. And I was like, I looked at her after a long time of silence. I said, what, what's wrong? And she says, I don't know how to pray. What? Uh, I didn't, in my mind, that's what I did. I didn't say that. What? But it's like, oh, I was shocked because she'd grown up going to church and she had gone to a Christian university. I would think for sure she would know how to pray. But yet, she didn't know at that moment. And that day is seared in my mind. And this morning, we're going to look at Jesus and specifically his instructions to his disciples found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Is the mic okay? Because it's coming in and out for me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 14, and in Luke chapter 11, verse 2 through 4, on how to pray. Now, how many people know the Lord's Prayer? Raise your hand. Got it memorized? Oh, I guess my work is done. I'll just take off. It's good. You got it. And, but the incredible thing is when Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them to pray in Luke 11, chapter 1, Jesus gave them what is referred to as the Lord's Prayer. This prayer serves as a model, not as magic words for us or for the disciples, 
but rather as an outline, a guide for daily prayer. We can pray it, but it's more an outline. He was giving them instruction. Every believer in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior should be devoted to daily prayer, powerful daily prayer, the discipline of prayer, and knowing the one who sees what we do in secret will reward us openly. As I've already stated, the prayer is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. But actually, really, I think it should be called the Disciples' Prayer. He was telling it to the disciples. Like, it's the Lord. I think he knew how to pray, okay? In fact, I'm kind of confused that the disciples even asked. They were Jews. They knew how to pray. They were taught in it. And in fact, in that Greco-Roman society, there were all these gods. Everybody was praying all the time. There were temples to Artemis, to Dionysus, to you name it, Zeus. They all were going and praying. They knew how to pray. Why were they asking this? And I believe it's also a prayer for us as believers. So this is for us today too. And as I've stated, that it should be called that. And it is my goal and clear call to make sure that no one here today will ever have to other words I heard that one day, I don't know how to pray. If you walk out of here today not knowing how to pray, I've utterly failed. So please help me out. I don't want to fail today. So let's begin this with prayer. Join me. Lord, I praise and thank you this morning. I ask that your will be done through this message. May the bread of your word nourish our hearts and relationships as we wage war against the evil one. Help us to set our priorities in line with yours. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, and Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 14. Both are versions of Jesus' teachings, first to his disciples, and then they believe Matthew perhaps was being taught to then just regularly. Matthew documented, or Luke documented it, to where not only did he teach it to his disciples, but I think it was a regular teaching that he gave. So we're going to Matthew. So first let's look at, read Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. And it reads, And I'm doing this so you can see the similarity. We'll be using Matthew 6 through 9 throughout. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. That's interesting. He said to them, when you pray, say, and he being Jesus, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And now let's read Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. This then, again, Jesus telling those he was teaching, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, you notice I've also included verse 14. Many times we drop that off, but it's still part of the teaching. And Jesus said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, we seem to miss that a lot. That's pretty key. Now, since they're both basically the same prayer, I'll be referencing for the remainder of the sermon, like I mentioned, I'll be going to Matthew. So, Let me just make sure. Prayer is powerful. You with me? Prayer is powerful. And if we look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 13, and I'm going to paraphrase it. I know the thoughts that the Lord thinks towards me, 
thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give me a future and a hope. Then I will call upon him and go and pray to him, and he will listen to me. And I will seek him and find him when I search for him with all my heart. That's prayer. That's prayer. And although this verse is specifically written to the Jews that were in exile in Babylon, there is still some truths for us today regarding the power of prayer. So let's unpack Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13 on how to pray. And I'm going to address each one in order. We'll put them up there. First, we begin with verse 9. And it states, and it'll be highlighted in each one. We're going to have it each time. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This verse is about praise and thanksgiving. This is the outline. Praise and thanksgiving. And for those taking notes, that's your fill-in, by the way. Okay? But if we look at Psalm chapter 100, verse 4 through 5, it states, I will enter into your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. I'll be thankful unto you and bless your name, for the Lord is good, your mercy is everlasting, and your truth endures for all generations. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, I will come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, I have boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. We just sang about the blood of Jesus. He cleanses us, washes us. How can we go as imperfect beings into the presence of an almighty, pure God, but <laughs> with, without the blood, the shed blood, he then is that, almost like a covering, that then we are pure before God. You, who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, can receive and go into the very throne room of God in prayer. And Jesus instructs us to begin prayer with praise and thanksgiving for who God is. We don't start with our needs or the needs of others, but we begin by focusing on how awesome God is. Let me make sure I make this clear. Order is important. Order is important. It is important because it not only addresses who we are, but it reminds us of the order of the universe, the universe. God is above all things. We start, we start by with declaring he is holy and set apart. That was what hallowed means. He is holy and set apart. So we begin with praise and thanksgiving of the God, of who God is, and the fullness of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We praise and thank the Father Lord for who he is, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 10. By the way, I'm going to read a lot of scripture today because I believe in prayer, reading scripture is powerful, amen? Uh, you don't have to get there and try to make up stuff and just go, oh, read scripture as a prayer. Powerful, powerful. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 10 states, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. I will run into it and be safe. Now, the name of the Lord. If we're going to praise him, maybe it'd be good to know some of the names of the Lord. And here are some titles of who God the Father is. El Elohi Israel, the God of Israel. That's in Genesis 33. El Elyon, Most High God, Genesis chapter 14. El Olam, Everlasting God, Isaiah 40. El Roi, the one who sees, Genesis chapter 16. El Shaddai, God Almighty, not just an Amy Grant song, for those who would know that back in the day. But it's actually scriptural. There's something to it. Uh, moving on. Elohim, God. 
Genesis 1-1. That is the God at the beginning, the creation of the universe. Jehovah Gamola, God of recompense. That's the, that's the person who makes amends for the wrongs that have happened to you. Has anybody been wronged? Has anybody had to suffer things? We have a God of recompense. That's in Jeremiah 51. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide, Genesis 22. I pray that a lot. Jehovah Mekdeshem, the Lord my sanctifier. Again, making us holy, making us pure. We can't be except for the blood of the Lamb. Jehovah Makkah, the Lord who strikes in Ezekiel 7. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. You kind of go, well, why do I need a banner? That's kind of weird. Well, back in the day when they would go into battle, those armies would go, there'd be the guy up front. I'd hate to be that guy. Like, okay, I'll go before everybody. You guys behind me? Okay. But he would have the banner of who that army was representing. And it was to put fear into those they're going into battle. Exodus 17, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Rapha, oh, thank you, Lord. The Lord our healer. Exodus chapter 15. Jehovah Rophi, Rohi, the Lord my shepherd, Psalms 23. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts in Isaiah. And Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Then the last two, Jehovah Shammah, Lord who is present. And that's going right down to then. Even then in the Old Testament, he was present. And then we have Emmanuel, Jesus, the Lord who is present. Jehovah Sikkenu, the Lord our righteousness. We are not righteous. He is righteous. By us tagging onto him, uh, we receive his righteousness upon us, undeserved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 states, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, does anybody know what name that is? It's Jesus. That name is Jesus. I'm glad somebody, I would have loved it if somebody yelled out, and they're like, Martin, no, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And from the Gospel of John, now first we've already praised who God is, God the Father. Now we're focusing on praising Jesus, the Son. And from the Gospel of John, Jesus states, and by the way, if you don't get excited about this, oh, it's okay. Some of it states, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the Son of God. I am the vine. Other names of Bible of names of Jesus from the Bible are advocate, attorney. Man, let me tell you, in this day and time, we all need a good advocate and attorney. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the author and finisher of our faith. That's key. Captain of our salvation. Forerunner. He has gone before us. Friend of sinners. Man, I'm so grateful that our God is a friend of sinners because I am a sinner saved by grace. Lion of Judah. Man of sorrows, master, mediator, physician, refiner, true vine, and ultimately, praise God, Savior. Amen? Those are incredible things. These are things you can pray that you start to do because you start to go, I know who my God is. I know who I serve. It's empowering. It's enabling. It's life-changing when you start to pray the names of God the Father and Jesus and as part of that awesomeness of the Trinity of God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the Son and the Holy Spirit, we also have the Holy Spirit. And here we address the, uh, the Holy Spirit, some of the names that provides for us. First off, the remover of the blinds to salvation. Oh, praise God for the Holy Spirit. For without the moving of the Holy Spirit, I would yet not know that I'm a sinner, that I needed grace, that I needed a Savior. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Also, after removing of the blinds, righteousness peace, joy, 
the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, all these things. These are things we can pray. Then the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every one of you has been given a gift by the Holy Spirit to be used for the world, for your family, and for the church. You all have a gift. In fact, you heard in the announcements we'll be having another Next Steps class at the end of this month on the 28th. And if you haven't been able to take that class, I invite you. Because in that class, we will go through a spiritual gifting inventory. You'll be able to learn what your gifts are because they're powerful. God has given them to you for a reason. Tim has gifts, and he used them for God's glory. The ability to love people, that's part of the Holy Spirit. The anointing to proclaim the good news. In Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit came, Christ had told the apostles, wait here for the comforter. And the Holy Spirit came, and it came in power in the Greek dunamis. For what reason? To give them empowerment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all those. That's why we pray. We pray for this so that the Holy Spirit come upon us, so that we can share the good news with those around us. And then to exclaim also the resurrection of Jesus, part of the, re- the good news. And then to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. we got to be going to the Spirit and say, Spirit, come upon us. This is a tough age. You just watch a little television, and you listen to a couple of songs, and you're already like, okay, man, i got to click it off. i got to do some prayer here. And then the last, the Holy Spirit provides the empowerment to win the battle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. When we begin to pray with praise and thanksgiving of who God is and who correct, we then correctly reset or readjust our thinking and ourselves to God. That's the reason why he put the order. That's why it's important to start right there. Recognizing him for who he is, the God of the universe, holy and set apart. And yet, we can still have a relationship with him. That's a mystery to me. But it's a mystery I gladly receive. And once we have properly praised and thanked God, then we move to verse 10, where it states, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So we begin with praise and thanksgiving, and now we move to destiny and authority. Here Jesus instructs us to continue settling and readjusting our minds from ourselves to then focus on God and the Father, God the Father's kingdom and will. We again are putting everything in right order. We have to understand when sin came into the world, disorder abounded. And with this single prayer and the mouth of God in Jesus Christ, we are able to bring order. When you pray this prayer, you are bringing order into your life. You are bringing order into your family's life. You're bringing order into your neighbor's life. You're bringing order into your business. Here Jesus instructs us to continue resetting and readjusting. We are putting everything in right order. It is not about us, but about his kingdom and his will. We pray for the already, but not yet. We pray for the already, but not yet. And you're like, okay, everybody's turned their head like dogs. What? What's the already, but not yet? By this, I mean we recognize that he is in control He is God, and we are here to align ourselves with his plans and purposes. When Jesus was saying this, he knew, this is pre his crucifixion on the cross. He knew his destination on the cross as the once and final sacrifice for the sins of the world, and then his ascendance to the right hand of the Father. 
we now have the benefit of being on the other side of that saving act of Jesus and allowing us to be under the new covenant provided by his shed blood for our sins. This is the already. The new covenant was part of God's plan for his kingdom, a kingdom that will ultimately be finished and completed when he returns and receives his own. Now that is the not yet. It hasn't happened yet. I don't know if you guys know it, but either we're in big trouble or we're still waiting for Christ's return. I'm going to go for the later. We're still waiting for his return. This is the not yet. We are in the process of history moving towards his final return and the new heavens and the new earth. A, a verse I think every Christian should commit to memory is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is praying for a day when God will bring heaven to earth and will bring his rule to this planet, the total end of all. God still has a plan for planet earth. He will rule and reign here, and as believers, we will rule and reign with him. So that is in our future. That's the not yet. When we pray and seek the kingdom of God, we are also praying for the rule and reign of the kingdom of God in our lives. This is when Jesus is in charge. On one occasion, Jesus said, For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Luke chapter 17, verse 21, where he was speaking of himself. When you are under his lordship, and when he is in control of your life, that is the kingdom of God happening here and now. It is not rules and regulations, but righteousness and joy, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. There, this is where you pray for his lordship over your personal life. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, I will deny myself and take up my cross and follow him. The salvation of others. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, God desires all men to be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Your family. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, if I do not provide for my own, I am worse than an unbeliever. Pray over you, the God's will over your spouse, your children, your parents, your relatives. Then we have your leaders. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I will make supplication and prayer, intercession and giving of thanks for kings and all who are in authority, that I may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. I will honor all men, fear God, and honor the king. When's the last time you prayed over the president? When's the last time you prayed over Akosia or AOC? What's her name? Uh, oh, the, the chick who's the Democrat. Whatever. When's the last time you equally? No, no, no. I can't remember. I can't. Okay, no, that's, oh, what's it? What is her name? Somebody yell it out. Uh, AOC. The point is being, when have you equally prayed over the Democrats as you have for the Republicans, as the independents, as the progressives? Are you praying over all those who have governance over us? I hope you are. And then also, last there on this, that slide, the pastors. Hebrews chapter 13, I'll remember those who have rule over me. I never like that rule over you. Just, we're here to guide. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, I will pray for them, pastors, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified. Oh, that this may be a church where God's word has free reign and will be glorified in all ways. Also, in our church, 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 through 11, that the manifold wisdom of God might be known by the church according to his eternal purposes. Man, what a powerful church that would be. And we are because we are preaching his word. And then you pray for your vocation and ministry. I will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and then your city. Jeremiah 29, verse 7 says, I will seek the peace of my city and pray to the Lord for it. For its peace, I will have peace. Even though this may seem like you're praying for yourself already, actually, you're praying over his lordship and his will over this world. Now, only after we have first focused on glorifying God and then secondly, aligning ourselves to his kingdom and will, do we then pray for our own individual needs. And that's where we get to verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. This verse is about provision. I think this is also a twofold provision request by us. First, in John chapter 6, verse 25 through 59, Jesus stated that he is the bread of life. We've already quoted that, num- that uh, title. Only through him is there eternal life. Asking for our daily bread reminds us that we are sinners saved by Jesus, the bread of life. It is used as a reminder to remember the great gifts of mercy and grace we have received through the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. We need daily our Jesus. We need our bit of Jesus. If you don't go a day, we are a church leading people to focus on Jesus. We need our daily bread of receiving Jesus daily. Secondly, it's the one everybody likes, it's about God's provision for our earthly needs. Here is where and when we ask for God's blessing, provision, prosperity in our daily earthly life. Here's some here are some verses you can pray regarding God's provision for your daily earthly needs. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 through 8. I will diligently obey the voice of the Lord. All these blessings shall come upon me and overtake me. I'll be blessed in the city. I'll be blessed in the country. I'll be blessed when I come in, and I'll be blessed when I go out. The Lord will command the blessing in my storehouses and in all to which I set my hand, and he will bless me in the land which the Lord my God is giving me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward me, that always having all sufficiency in all things, I may have abundance for every good work. And in Luke, I will give, and it will be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be unto my bosom. With the same measure that I give, it will be measured back to me. So, pray that God prospers your personal life, your family, your business, your church, and pray for others. I, I, I get a kick. I don't know if some of you know I kind of, my skin's a little bit dark from being out in the sun. It's because I'm able to surf here in town at Big Surf. And one of the joys of going when I drive to surf, I'm praying over those I'm about to surf with. I'm praying God bless them. Bless them that they ultimately come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But I also, I'm praying, they're businessmen, they're professors. It's a really eclectic group. You usually think surfers are kind of like, hey, dude, what's up? And they do talk like that. But they're professors, attorneys, investors, crazy group of people. And uh, I'm praying over them, and I'll just be like, I'll say, hey, pray for you today on the way here that your business would be blessed. Nothing to prove, just letting them know, hey, man, I prayed for you. It starts to change the relationship. All of a sudden, they realize I'm in it for them. It's not about me. It's about their gain. It's for them. And I recommend you do that for others. 
So we re- need to remember Deuteronomy 8, chapter 18. It is God who gives me power to get wealth that he might establish his covenant with me, that we may do his will. And after acknowledging Jesus is the true bread of life from which we have received the new covenant of salvation and petition God for our daily and earthly needs, we move on to verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is about relationships. The first relationship is between God and us. We need to always remember that we are sinners saved by God's mercy and grace through his son Jesus. And we need to take the time to pray Psalms, chapter 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, none of us are perfect. None of us have yet attained perfection. We are all works in process, having areas that need God's tweaking in one way or another. I, perhaps, may have the most tweaking. You ever feel that sometimes? But praise God. That's his Holy Spirit tweaking you, saying, I've got better for you. You you failed here, but get up. There's better. As Pastor James states, we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. The great news is that we have an advocate and a friend in Jesus who's at the right hand of the Father and is ready to forgive us and then help us help set us on a new path. Praise God. We need to take the time to ask God to reveal the areas in our lives that have not met his standard and ask for his forgiveness and direction. And then you know what? You need to do the directions. If you just do the prayer and you get get told it, but you don't do it, it's worthless. And you remember what Pastor Darren said last week in the message about Gideon. He said, be watchful. Sin is sneaky. It starts off small. Be wary of what might happen. Don't let sin get a foothold. Now, the second relationship is between us and others, and that's where we include verse 14. For those who have sinned against us. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will never forget your sins. We all need to set our wills to forgive those who have offended us. Spouse, parents, children, family, church members. That happens. Nobody, we're a room of imperfect people. Somebody at some time in this church might offend you. Forgive him. Go to him. Or her. Or them. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, we also pray to forgive our coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors, our friends. Everybody, okay? I don't need to overemphasize that too much, but everybody. We need to forgive everybody. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Acts chapter 24, verse 16 says, I exercise myself to always have a conscience without offense toward God or man. Matthew chapter 18, verse 35, I'll forgive my brothers their trespasses from my heart. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, verse 32, I will let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put away from me with all malice. And I'll be kind to others, tenderhearted, forgiving others, just as God in Christ forgave me. 
that we all would have tender hearts. I'm not saying be a wussy. I'm not saying be a pushover. I'm saying have a tender heart to those situations. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 15. I'll pursue with all people that I will look carefully lest any root of bitterness spring up in my life and cause trouble and defile others. The real deal is it defiles you. What happens is when you defile others is the defilement which is in you gets bleh, puked onto somebody else or vomited. And now your problem is their problem and they have a problem with that person. And that person's way gone. They're like, doo, 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 doo. they're clueless that they ever hurt you. But you need to forgive them nonetheless. From relationships, then we need to move into verse 13. And verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This verse is about spiritual warfare. Hopefully none of you are unaware that we are in a spiritual battle. If you missed any of Pastor Darren's sermons from the I Declare War series in June, I recommend you go online to YouTube or on our church website and listen to those messages. We are definitely in a spiritual battle. And First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9 makes this clear. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Satan wants us to fall back into our old sinful ways or fall forward into a whole bunch of new sins. The devil tries to, and this is very different from the list of the names of God we just gave, he tries to lie, deceive, seduce, tempt, test, torment, trouble, afflict, vex, oppose, accuse, persecute, oppress, steal, kill, and destroy believers. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 states, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is why we always need to be on our guard. You with me? We need to pray this and then do this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. I will give no place to the devil. James chapter 4, verse 7. I will resist the devil and he will flee. Praise God. Revelation chapter 12, 11. I will overcome the dragon by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the, my testimony, by not loving my life even unto death. I kept on having a weird dream about that, of where all of a sudden somebody came into the service and disrupted it in a violent way. And all of a sudden I realized, you know who that is? That's every Sunday. That's Satan wanting to come in and mess with this service because he doesn't want the truth to be heard. He doesn't want the gospel preached. He wants to come in like a terrorist every Sunday to disrupt this, to disrupt you on your way or disrupt you while you're here or disrupt you in the week so you can't receive the message of God's grace and love and mercy. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, I'll put on the new man. And Romans chapter 13, verse 14, I will put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you go, well, how do I do that? Well, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 17, I will put on the whole armor of God. And by the way, they didn't say the partial. You can just do this. No, come on, put it all on. The belt of truth, 
the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, ready to share it with those around you, the shield of faith, oh, that you would have a shield of your faith knowing who you are in Christ, the helmet of salvation, that one's key for me. I don't know about you guys, but I got to know that I'm saved because Satan's coming at me with crazy thoughts sometimes, and I need to take captive every thought because of the faith that I have in Christ saying, no, I need to bring it under alignment to who Jesus is. And with the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, God's holy word, his Bible. Not only should we be praying daily, but we should be in his word and taking these weapons because we are in a battle. We can go to God and he will help us. He will deliver us from the evil one. Hallelujah. Now at the end of verse 13, you will notice that in some versions there are more verses. You know what I'm saying? We were talking about that. This section is called the doxology and it was perhaps added uh, after the Byzantine era. This wasn't words that Jesus used. These were added on extra, but I think I still want to cover it because I kind of like it because as a prayer, you can stop right there. It's going to be perfect, but if you continue with this, it's kind of like a bow on the top or, you know, you wrap it in a bow, and it's what we called a doxology or a short hymn of praise to God. Many translations no longer included since it was not present in the original Greek or uh, Greek of Luke or Matthew, but I still want to cover it because I like it, okay? I'll just be honest. I like it. It's a nice bow. So verse 13, that, that first part. For there is the kingdom, for yours is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. And what I want to say, the first edition of 13 is about ending in priorities. Just like we started with priorities, the order, praise and thanksgiving to God, we're ending in the priorities. And where it goes, it's God's kingdom. I will seek first the kingdom of God. Psalms chapter 145, verse 13. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures throughout all generations. Number two, it is God's power. Without God, I can do nothing, but through Christ, I can do all things. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask or think according to the power that works in me. And then third, it is God's glory. We are reprioritizing, ending the prayer again. It's your kingdom, it's your power, it's your glory. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, him. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And with the addiction of the doxology of the first part, it ends with amen. Let it be so. And it says that right there, amen. And this is about faith, ending it all. This prayer is all about faith. It's the things unseen that we have not yet seen, but then we are grasping hold of. This whole prayer is a prayer of the faith of who God is. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. All the promises of God in you are yes and in you, amen. Praise God. Philippians chapter 1, or chapter 1 verse 6. He who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, he is, God is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come. Chapter, or Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And finally, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, I will set these words I will let these words by my weapons as I fight. Like I said, we are at war. It's a spiritual battle. So there you go. 
It's a prayer you can pray individually. So in the situation where it was, if somebody asks you to pray, it's, it's you're at work and they need you to pray over a situation. Pray the Lord's Prayer. You go visit somebody in the hospital. Pray the Lord's Prayer. You have a situation in your life. Pray the Lord's Prayer. You can recite it or you can then use it as the outline. A first, praise and thanksgiving. That's verse 9. Destiny and authority, verse 10. Provision, verse 11. Relationship, verse 12. Spiritual warfare, verse, verse uh, 13. Priorities, and that's in the doxology. And then faith with amen. The big takeaway to guys today is nobody now in here should not know how to pray. Now it is, and no, no playing with the whole Nike controversy that happened this week. I actually had this weeks ago. Is you now just need to just do it. Don't think it's just something you can't do. You have to do it. Get in. If you, at the minimum, pre, uh, read the Lord's Prayer. And uh, to close, I would like us all, if you would, stand up. And like us all together to recite the, Lord, recite the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. Together including the doxology found in the King James translation. Yes, we are using the King James translation today, so you never see that. So if you join me with this and pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.